1: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group, Voyware Prohibited by Law. 18 Plus. Terms and Conditions apply. With the Lucky Lance, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: For free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Look off. We have a liftoff. off. Welcome to day three of the US Open overview. This is Kenneth Unfiltered with me, James Gray of the iNewspaper and iNews.co.uk. Me and George Belshaw are going to look back at a few bits and pieces of day three at the US Open. Uh, But first, George, I have a key question for you, which is I've just seen you wolfing down something green at um, eight o'clock in the morning, which uh,
1: what on earth are you doing? (laughs) Um, So I'm... As you, as listeners may know, I've been kind of recovering from this knee injury for the last kind of year or so. Um, And I'm now making very good progress with my kind of strength building. So I'm lifting quite a lot off each leg. So kind of like 75 kg on each leg sort of thing. So I've got quite a lot of power in there now. But I weigh too much and it's hampering my progress, I think, because you put through kind of the impact when you run based on kind of how much you weigh. So I'm Mm. starting a kind of three-month health kick. I'm actually starting tomorrow, but I'm just getting myself in the mood this week by sort of half-assed trying little bits and pieces. So this morning I'm having a very odd breakfast of uh, hummus, avocado, sugar snap peas, peas, and spinach, which is aimed as a kind of a (laughs) high-fat breakfast. um, So that's
0: high-fat.
1: High fat because of the
0: avo and, oh, and that's the... right. Okay, yeah, my stomach's just made a sort of gurgle in sympathy for your stomach. I, think. <laughs>
1: I actually yeah. really like it. I, th- I think I basically go, yeah I go very kind of fully gluten free and vegan and try and eat only like completely non-processed stuff. And I do this sort of thing. Have um, you got
0: a human upgrade device that you can pop on your chest like Novak? That's probably <laughs> your next, next uh,
1: step. Don't don't knock it till you try it. You feel amazing on the inside. You feel, you get very well rested, <laughs> cut the booze. It's amazing. I'm not sure I could do it for the rest of my life, but for three months, it's, uh, uh, okay. it's a move I like well to do. Well done
0: and good luck, George. That's all I can say. Um, let's talk about tennis because that is actually why we got out of bed early this morning. Um, Pretty dramatic day. Uh, We'd already lost 17 seeds from the two draws by the time the first round was ended, which I think cannot be far off a record, to be quite honest. Um, That's over a quarter of the seeds gone in the first round. Uh, We lost 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 more uh, in the the first half of the second round. So it's been quite a lot of carnage, quite frankly. The biggest story of yesterday was seven-seed Stefanos Tsitsipas losing in five sets to Dominic Stricker, uh, a qualifier ranked 128 in the world. Uh, a former French Open junior champion, George, but still, even with Stefanos Tsitsipas's poor form, I don't think
1: anyone necessarily thought this would be the point at which he would fall down. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Stricker play some, some pretty good matches before, but he looked at Tsitsipas's draw and you're thinking, cool do quite well not to <laughs> not to go to the um, the fourth round. You know, Ryanich felt like the massive banana skin and then he dealt with him pretty pretty promptly and thinking, oh, okay. Steph may be finally here to play. But um, yeah that feeling's been short lived and unfortunately for him that's been symptomatic of his his year, hasn't it really? I mean it's mm. been the occasional good tournament, the occasional good win, but for a guy who was when he first kind of reached that French Open final where Djokovic pulled his kind of Tyson Fury getting up from the canvas trick. Um, he, he he was really the for, one of the form players in the world at that point. He had an excellent kind of start to the year and was winning a lot of titles. And he was the only guy who'd really beaten Nadal, Federer at Grand Slams and was challenging Djokovic occasionally um, in best of three, so... Yeah, it's, it's a bit disappointing, and I don't suppose it's like necessarily that surprising. Given we've always said he's got quite a big weekend weakness in that one-handed backhand, but his strengths, which are still very strong when he gets them going and he can play some very good stuff, um, are now not being matched by I think that mental desire that actually was there before. You know, as much as he is a bit of a loony, he he has always had a bit of a a belief that he can win big matches and he's won big matches from surprising positions. You know, two sets down to Rafa at the Australian Open, for example. Um, I I don't feel that's there anymore. I I feel that arm has been chiselled away at and I don't think he believes he can beat Novak or Alcaraz in the big matches. I'm not sure he really believes he'll beat Medvedev in that many big Grand Slam matches. I think once you start to stop believing at that level, it, it does trickle down. And you start to think, well, if I can't be those guys, I'm I'm more vulnerable against weaker guys. And I'm not saying it's as obvious as this in your mind, but I, I do sense there's been a big mental shift in him as well.
0: I'm hmm. I, I minded to think of when he was shocked out in New York last year, when he lost to Daniel Galan in the first round. Having hmm. And I, I remember, I think it was the same night as the Serena match, and I was sat on Ash watching the Serena show. And someone just like turned their laptop screen to me and pointed at Stefano Tsitsipas who was six love, five love down. Um, and he eventually lost in four sets. And I and afterwards he was in a very, one of the very small interview rooms at the US Open and he said, Oh, I was really conscious that I could be world number one by the end of this tournament because number one was right up for grabs. I think there were like yeah. four guys with quite realistic, like Rude, Alcaraz, Tsitsipas, and someone else, all with quite realistic chances. And I think that got in his head a bit. And I think it's an interesting point you make, George, that, that that belief might have changed a little bit. But I still think that, you know, he needs to be more ruthless, I think. He was 5-3 up in the fourth set and served for the fourth set and couldn't put it away. And, you know, like you said, Strick, Strick is a, a good player and people think he's going to go far. He's only 21. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a lefty. and, and In theory, it sits past should find it harder against lefties, although, as he mentioned, George, there's a significant result against a lefty on his CV. Um, it was put to him afterwards that the change in team, he's obviously uh, got rid of his dad, and brought in Mark um, might have been the answer. He said, I'm not. I'm by no means putting any blame on the people or any members of my team. Everything on the court is under my control, and the way I can play this sport is shown out in the court. If I'm not able to deliver it, then I'm not supposed to be doing well. Um, he said he had bad jet lag when he was in Toronto. He said he was thinking of retiring against Monfils, but he went in and hoped he could do something. The other two results, including the one today, have no reason to say anything, which isn't... I, 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 I always have an element of respect for players who come out and say, look, I played badly. But I'm always a bit worried when they come out and say, I don't really know why. Because if they come mm-hmm. out and say, look, I played badly, I think I should have you know, tried to hit these spots better or focused too much on, you know, trying to get to his backhand, should have focused on my game. And I appreciate it's hard to analyze straight afterwards, but that's the bit that concerns me is that doesn't feel like he has an answer to this problem.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm always very reticent to kind of point too much into outside factors as well, but he has gone through a lot of kind of growing up changes, I, I mm-hmm. guess, as well this summer, you know, dating Paolo Bedosa. Like, I'm sure he has dated other people, but you know, that's, that's felt by like, from the outside looking in his big I mean, it's like it certainly looks like their first grown up relationship. <laughs> if you can um, call it grown up, well, I mean, exactly, you know, it, it looks like something, but, but that does have an impact, particularly when you're dating someone on the tour, who's probably got some perspectives about, you know, who, who you're working with and what you're doing and probably genuinely honest questions about you know it, it, is it that worth it we're millionaires we're living great lives yeah. we can still go out and compete and stuff you know i it wouldn't surprise me if that was some of the nature of the conversation and bedosa's another player who's been a world number three looking like she could knock on the door and kind of drop down you know may, maybe this is just a general life conversation mm-hmm. is, is this the be all and end all and it, it's probably not coincidental that that relationship is tied with just actually making the decision to Get tag rid of his father that. out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you're genuinely thinking it's she's probably saying, "Look, it's actually not that normal to have that much influence from your parents in your life." And while he may not have made the necessarily the right coaching choice, now he might have. You know, I know Calvin hasn't spoken in glowing terms necessarily about his new coaching team, but making that decision does feel like a good move for him as a person, whether or not as a tennis player. So I think he's got a lot of growing up to do generally, just having kind of been around him and being in these kind of weird parent press conferences. So while it may not all come together right now, as a human being, I think he's probably making better choices, even if it's not coming to fruition immediately. Yeah, agreed.
0: Um, There was another shock defeat for someone who has been in Grand Slam finals, and that was Casper Root, who lost to Zhang Zhizhen. Uh, the first chinese man to be a top five opponent since the introduction of atp rankings in 1973 chinese tennis on the march to say the least because there's all manner of names in the women's draw as well uh flying around um george we're probably not massively surprised because caspar performance has been a bit up and down and well you know he lost to max purcell last time out so maybe this isn't a huge shock and you know, Zhang ran him pretty close at the French Open when they played as well. So there's an element of kind of, you know, knowing how to beat him one way or another. But nevertheless, it's a, it feels like it might be, if, he, if Zhang can go on a run, a bit of a moment for Chinese tennis. And, you know, we've seen it on the women's side. We haven't seen it on the men's side. And that feels like it could really turbocharge everything that we know about tennis
1: in China. Yeah, I mean... As you say i think it's the first first chinese win over a top five player um since the rankings began which is very significant and will get a lot of interest i'm sure um back in china mm-hmm. i mean, he's a good player you know again it's not it's not like ruse losing to a complete duff there aren't really many duffs out there, i suppose <laughs> no say, but but you know he, there, there is a lot of talent there i mean I, I I still would be quite surprised if this materialised into the most amazing run for Zhang I think even though the top seeds have gone from this section I still think the two people I viewed as the best seeds for this tournament right now Tommy Paul and Francis TFO are still there mm. so they're the guys to beat as far as I'm concerned and were the guys to beat before the tournament well since Rune went out really those were the guys to beat from my perspective Um For Rude, I kind of feel he's just dropping towards the level we actually think he is. Mm. Is that a fair thing to say? Mean reversion, I think they call it. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's world number two. I think that was a hyperinflation (laughs) of his qualities (laughs) last year. Um, I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's someone who does do the job against most players in the world, which by virtue makes you a top 10 player normally or at least kind of higher end top 20 um, I don't think he's a top 5 player he, I don't think he'd come in many watchers picks for the best 5 tennis players in the world mm. um, he might creep into the 10s but I, I just think there's better players out there and that's not to diminish what he's done in, in many ways that's to praise what he's done for someone like Ruud to get up to world number 2 to reach 3 grand slam finals is a a great achievement and he may well achieve more and put egg on our collective faces but I just don't think he has what some of the other big players have in terms of quality Um, so yeah is that a backhanded compliment? I'm not really sure yeah yeah, it's
0: on the way it's
1: on the way (laughs) I don't know if he'd love it
0: Uh, and we know that Kasparud does um, Taking almost everything on social media, as far as his... probably uh... shouldn't
1: be sniping with fans until you've won a Grand Slam or something. Would be my <laughs> advice as well. Like, <laughs> it's never worth it after like a first round. You should win. Like, don't really yeah. get get just into makes... that fight. That's mm. very odd and a bit petty. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, it was interesting just sort of scanning through what Zhang said afterwards as well, um, talking about how aggressive he felt he had to be. And he said, you know, when I lose or have many times had an unforced error, I knew I had to play this way. I need to give more pressure to him because I cannot play too long a rally than play waiting him to get mistakes. And I think that's really interesting just to hear a relatively young guy just say the most important thing was the mental resilience to keep going for the lines, to keep trying to, you know, find winners early in the rally, because I can't just grind against this guy. It simply won't work. Uh, and he's right in that sense although frankly these days maybe maybe you can upgrade caspari but that's not how he did it um so he is through to play rinky hijikata in the third (laughs) round which feels like a pretty good draw quite frankly um rinky Hijikata is one of the reciprocal wild cards so uh the french australian and u.s opens all have a deal where in each draw they swap a wild card effectively so there is a, a french men and women's wild card at the australian and the u.s and there's an australian Wildcard here. Ricky Hitchikata is the men's Australian one. And I want to talk about wildcards, George, because one of the sort of home wildcards, if you like, was Venus Williams, um, who was beaten 6 1 and 6 1 by Greek Minnan. Um, I- I'm hesitant to bring this up, but I saw Miles David talking about it on Twitter. And uh, as always, I'm interested in the stuff that Miles says, basically. Um, at what point do you say you're cut off? You've you've had enough now. Uh if you can't go home but you can't stay here. You know, like and, and has Venus Williams reached that point? Or it, on the flip side, is actually she's such a legend of the game
1: that she can have as many wild cards as she wants. Well, I think <clears throat> it depends whose viewpoint you're taking this question from. <clears throat> from the organizers perspective, the question is how many how long does she st- still keep putting bums on seats mm. but i imagine that won't stop for um maybe well maybe even into her 50s she mm. probably could do that if she wanted to so <clears throat> i think from that perspective it'll keep happening um i would like to see some form of commitment or on the tour some sort of legislation if you like that to get a wild card you have to have played a certain number of matches across a two-year period or something Mm. um because that's not happened with venus i mean we're we're talking probably under double figures for matches i think she's
0: played four matches this year she did she play one in auckland
1: and, and then got injured
0: uh, and then she played. She played two in Auckland, one, one in Rosemarlin, two in Birmingham, one at Wimbledon, one in Canada, two in Cincinnati. So I mean, she's played. You know, she's played maybe eight or nine matches this year.
1: I just yeah. I don't know. I I think there should there should be something about participation and something about probably a number of match wins <laughs> over a five year period. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's a really hard one to do. I mean, wildcards. My my gen personal view on them as all well is they're bollocks and they shouldn't exist. Um, really? I don't like them at all. I just think they're the rankings are there for a reason that you've mm. earned the right to play in a tournament. I don't see why the player who's, I don't know what her ranking is now probably, but it has been outside 600 I'm sure at points and she's still got wild cards for it. She doesn't need the money. The tournament may get a bit of added revenue from it, but <clears throat> what about young players? I still think they should earn it to a degree, hmm. you know, uh, I think that there could be wildcard tournaments into a draw, yeah. so you could have and you'd say a wildcard spot for home that you put four players in who play each other to get that. Hmm. I, I find that a bit more appealing, but I'd still do that by ranking. So the top four players who aren't making the draw in the home country can play Right, qualifying to get there or something. You know what I mean? I I think that's a bit more fair. I I hate the reciprocal wildcards between US, French, and Australian players. They're already getting a lot more chances than other nations by virtue of being a Grand Slam nation. I still think the Brits are. Calvin will disagree on this in terms of he thinks it's a good opportunity for them, but I think it's unfair if you look at it kind of globally. Like if you're a player from Brazil. What opportunities are you really having to get a wild card? Maybe one into Rio. What, you know, is the infrastructure there supporting you anyway? I, I do think it slightly undermines the point of fairness. And with stuff like protected rankings existing to protect injured players, that doesn't really feel like yeah. you need a wild card separately.
0: I think there's an argument, you know, I look at golf. I, I often make comparisons to tennis and golf because it's the other major individual sport. But, you know, golf has all sorts of, okay, it's easy because it's got bigger entry list, but it has all sorts of um different exemptions you know so if you win the asian tour one year then you get an exemption into the open and the masters and this and the other and you know the open will go out and say oh we we want to develop tennis well they say they want to develop tennis in africa for example and i actually think they've done a half-assed effort of it but the idea is there that they're they're offering exemptions into the open to players who succeed in various the african amateur championships and things um and I do think you could be more creative with the wild card system, even if it's wild cards into qualies. You know, by saying, right, if you win, you know, we're going to offer three wild cards into qualies to players who win. I don't know, like the biggest event. What what is the biggest tennis event in Africa? I literally, I can't even tell you. There's um, Marrakesh. Yeah, this? but I mean, I would probably say sub-Saharan Africa because there, there's a bit of a mm. divide there. Um, but you know. Go go and stick a wild card into qualifiers of Wimbledon onto a map, onto a tournament in I don't know <laughs> Central Africa somewhere in, in you know try and actually grow the game and as you say George South America is pretty underserved by the tennis world given the size of the market it's remarkable that as many South American players you know make it through what well, when's Rio yeah why not stick a French Open wild card on like I don't know the winner of a tournament around Rio that only South American, but I don't know, it, 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 takes a lot more planning than I have. The yeah, ability sitting to do here so right it.
1: now and pontificating, but, but, but it, it's doable and it is, should be more. And the question creative. should be asked, you know, it, it, the
0: All-Indian club are never going to consider this because it's change and they're terrified <laughs> of it, but. The, they should be sitting there thinking, how can we make this wildcard system a bit better? And we always say, look, when you get Brits at Wimbledon, Every court is packed. It adds a real vibe to the day. And that's important. And I'm not saying don't have Brits on wildcards at or Wimbledon. I'm saying, as you say, George, make it a bit more meritocratic and um, make it feel a bit more like they deserve to be there, but, which some of them do, but let's face it in many people's opinions, some of them don't. So make them prove it. And rather than it just being realistically the decision of four or five people to put them there. Which is, which is what actually happens is it, I think four or five might even be a generous number. Quite frankly, it's more like two or three. So, um, yeah, I'm all for meritocracy in tennis. Let's bring it back. Uh, speaking of Brits, one of them finally lost, uh, which, which is a phrase I didn't think I'd be saying, because <laughs> certainly the finally part of it anyway. Um, because as I mentioned in yesterday's mini pod, uh, they all made it through the first round, which is pretty remarkable. And all in straight sets, 18-0 uh, was the record. Lily Miyazaki, unfortunately, ran into Belinda Bencic, uh And I think there's no shame in losing three and three to her because Benchich, who, if you remember, George, was my rogue pick to win the Women's US Open uh, many, many months ago. And yeah. You all laugh. And look at I her now, remember. eh? Flying into the into third round, round. Three. Already an early favourite, I would suggest, no. Um, but yeah, good. I just wanted to mention there's not much more. I did watch um Lee Miyazaki's match, but uh, she's going to be world number 153, well, depending on exactly how the rankings shake out, but that's a, a huge career high. Um, she's now the British number four, and she's a scrapper by all accounts. And I've actually interviewed her, and she's a really nice, settled, kind of mature woman. Um, she's 27, which I think. People are always a bit surprised because she's a bit undersized and, you know, she's quite young looking. And of course they haven't really heard of her because she's done full college and, you know, not really made the breakthrough. So, um, interesting to see how she goes going through the sort of indoor season and, and into the far east and stuff. So, um, well done to her is really we, just what I'm saying here. We, uh, we, we, we,
1: can, so we can return to the, uh, the Bencic pick if she, if she comes to round four, where she's to the Rubikina of course. Okay. I think, I yeah, think if she you may start cool. getting
0: your chest out. Well, I was trying to get some gloating in while I can, actually. That's, <laughs> that's I the opposite version of you, George. Um, that was my, my idea. Anyway, um, we should look forward a little bit to day four because specifically we've got Murray versus Dimitrov in the third round. Now, as I mentioned yesterday, Dimitrov had a bit of a battle to get through. Five sets it was from two down to Alex Molchan. Um, interestingly, George, uh, Murray and Dimitrov have played a lot, and Murray does lead the head to head 8 3, but they've not played since 2016 in the final of Beijing, uh, which, uh, as you may recall, was when Andy Murray was chasing uh, world number one, I think, or was he already world number one? I think he was chasing it, and he was chasing year end world number one. There you go, because he wanted to um lift the trophy. In London uh, by beating Novak, which of course he did. Uh, anyway, it, so I'm basically George saying this head-to-head record might mean absolutely zilch.
1: Yeah, I was trying to think when the last time they met in a slam was. There was famously when Dimitri beat Open. him at Wimbledon, wasn't there? But
0: yeah, but US Open, Murray beat him like one, two, and two in that same year. Interesting. <laughs> Your, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah? I mean, Not much we, to say on that, Ted. <laughs> okay, we will just talk we're about the match. Though, I think um, slightly favour Murray, to be honest. Um, I don't think Dimitrov's in any great form to make me really worried about him. He's obviously capable of very good matches, but I think Murray's playing some pretty good stuff. And, you know, he came... I think if he plays the match, he played against Stefano Sissipas at Wimbledon he wins that match Mm. in three or four sets that, you know, if he plays towards that level, he can, he can win this match. Well, I think, Um, I don't think Dimitrov is at the level of a player like to Um, but it will still be billed as a match of that caliber because people know who Dimitrov is, you know, he's someone who has been high in the world. He is well recognized. He was tainted with the nickname baby fed in his own words. Um, so it'll look a, it'll probably look a better win than it actually is if he if he gets this one done. As a, I suspect he might. To be honest, I, I'd probably put Murray fifty five forty five on this. Interesting.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I I minded to agree with you. I'm not sure I felt the same yesterday. Um, I think that five setter does make a difference. Dimitrov's very fit, but you know, as you say, he's not had in loads of form this year. He's not got loads of positive tennis under his legs. Um the bookies actually make Dimitrov a narrow favourite. Um but I think Yeah, I don't know, just Murray having come through so easily well not easily but you know quickly against Moutier. And um, yeah. Oh, it's, it's super tough. I can't quite pick it.
1: I'd, I'd say Murray in four if I were
0: All right. okay. to bet on it. If you were a betting man, which of course you're not. Um uh, I just want to mention that we're going to get Caroline Wozniacki against Jennifer Brady in the
1: third round. Yeah. It's not until That's Friday,
0: good, but I mean, what you, what year is it? That's basically what I'm asking. It's got <laughs> Murray against Dimitrov and Wozniacki against Brady. <laughs> so it's, it's some real like old school matchups here. Um, I also should mention that Taylor Townsend is through because she's mm, in my fantasy good team and she beat Beatrice Hadadmire. Uh, and it means I'm guaranteed a fourth rounder in that section as well because I've got Mikova, um, Mukova. <laughs>
1: who uh, she's playing. She's looking good as
0: well. Yeah, really good. Um, Magdalena Fresh is no, like, you know, no mug. And she dispatched her pretty well. And and I'm really, I think Karolina Mukhova is a really interesting player and a really, like, cool player. She she does lots of different things with the ball. Um, Just, and hopefully this is the beginning of her being around in the last stage of Grand Slams on a regular basis, which is probably what she needs just for people to get to know her a little bit more you know when she made the french open final the, the general public would be like who's this do we care um and invariably the answer unfortunately is no but if she you know starts hanging around more regularly then i think um we'll see a bit more of her uh and, and people will start to see a bit more of her and, and understand a bit more about her
1: when, when we started fantasy i used to relentlessly pick her and I've, I've been stung too many times but this would have been the year i think to <clears> yeah, eye of that love interest from a fantasy perspective. <laughs> I'm a big fan as well. I think she's yeah. a really good player. Uh, the other seats you got
0: yesterday: Magdalenetti, um, the Petra Kvitova, who was beaten by Wozniacki, uh, and maybe most surprisingly of all, uh, Victoria Azarenka, who lost to Zhu uh, Lin, who incidentally has been picking up some a few scouts uh, as the uh, as the year goes on, and I think he's going to make. <sighs>
1: Rear high potentially if she wins one more match. She, she was in my fantasy team. And I did not have her losing that one on the paper. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't confident she was going to win it, but I thought she would make the third round. Yeah.
0: Was... Not ideal for
1: George's not fantasy ideal. team. Uh, you are only five points behind me at the moment, there, George. Yeah, but you, you've got the guarantee an extra one food, don't you? With the yeah, that does over. But it also means I'm guaranteed to lose one. So, yeah, um, swings swinging right around. The big around. one for me is John Isner today against Michael Moe.
0: I mean, do you think there's any chance Isner doesn't win that?
1: I sort of assumed he would, but... I hope so. <laughs> Clearly. I'm hoping Isner's going to win the whole tournament, in a way.
0: <laughs> no, George, that, that's a real bad timeline. No, I'm not, not actually hoping that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you do want to keep up with the fantasy scores, by the way, I will... The, 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 the spreadsheet on Twitter. I will post it in the show notes as well, in case you can't find the uh, the link to it. Uh, bad bounce currently top of the table with 340 points. Uh, I am 70 points back. I've still got eight players left. so You're doing very well. Yeah, I think we're right. both doing admirably this time at the minute. Yeah, better than usual. That's Could all go sure. wrong. Um, I did. I felt a bit bad because... Um, Synfo Rublix, who's quite big on Twitter and is a regular contributor, uh, lost five players or six players in the first like two days, and I I named and shamed on Twitter. But I assure you, Synfo, there is no shame. Uh, George and I have both been through that particular timeline. Um, but in the interest of fairness, this week I have to name and shame, or at least they have to shame. Uneasy Chair is the handle on Twitter. The team name is. O over under, uh, and they are <laughs> dead last on 130 points with four players left, having picked Stefano Sizpass, Chris Eubanks, J.J. Wolf, Enzo Quackau, Maria Zachary, and Fiona Ferro. All of them have lost. Backing uh, a
1: lot of revivals in this tournament. Yeah, it's a bold play. Well, Loves the all, redemption arc.
0: They've also picked Casey Bolter, which I think is is, is, is questionable. Um, and but but I tell you what, I tell you this might be the savior of. Uh, under, they've picked Daniil Medvedev instead of Alcaraz or Djokovic, and not many people have done that. So if he uh, springs something, then
1: I, I admire they're going against the grain so much. I think that that's bold. I wish I could be less of a sheep and picking more <laughs> yeah. sane players. Mm. Go for the um, bold picks. Incidentally, the bottom half of the table
0: is also where you find all the best names. Um, so. <laughs> Oscars Otters, I think, is a good name. I think I've read Excellent. that one out before. It's funny. Uh, Hungry Like the JJ Wolf, I thought it was yeah, quite good. good. Uh, Invisible Umpires Chairs, as discussed, is, is obviously uh, quite funny. Uh, the, the, there is a pun that I think might be funny, but I don't get it, which is arena glad I made my team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> doesn't, doesn't quite work I think it's... I guess it's supposed to be aren't you glad I made my team but... yeah okay. it's
0: just not quite <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then of course we have the classic um, always good to see nobody beats Vita beat Scaralitis 17 times in a row which uh, is always what I've Um and, and Mets Willits Point Station I thought was quite good cause <laughs> that is the train station next to uh, Flushing Meadows um, and I spent a lot of time going in and out of it last year um, but yeah, so good luck. Uh, if you've um, still got ten players left, which there are three teams with ten players left, although was no comeback, basically all in the like the other half of the draw that hasn't played yet. So, um, but Topsin and Muzzin was uh, have both got ten players left and are sitting in the podium places. So all to play for as always. Uh, not that there's any playing to be done now. It's just nail biting and sweating. Um, yeah, Georgia. Any any other any other business? Oh, I was going to ask you. Coco Golf uh, hit a return winner and then tried to celebrate the win in the doubles, only to realise it was five one um, and they hadn't won the match yet. Have you ever done that playing tennis?
1: I've done it playing table tennis. <coughs> when I was, uh, I remember it vividly because I was like a, I must have been about eight years old or something. I was playing a fifteen year old. I quite fancy myself at table tennis. I know my. Oh, you surprised me a little bit. Um, <laughs> And I <clears throat> thought we were playing to 11. And I hit a winner and was 11-9 up and one, and then I think I lost 21-19 or something. Wow, wow, You
0: got you got your just-deserves there, I would say. Early celebration. I did celebrate um, more than I, I should have Yeah. Uh, Alright, that's probably all we've got time for today, but thanks very much for joining us as always. Uh, we'll be back. I'm still trying to track down Calvin, who's too busy uh, scouting the Germans for the second round in the US Had Open. a famous win, hasn't he? I
1: don't yeah. know if you said that yesterday. You might have...
0: I did. I did. I brought it up. Um, but yeah, I, it's worth bringing up again. Uh, Patton and Cash into the second round of the US Open. I, I saw their match point and they celebrated, but not too much, which is exactly nice. what
1: Calvin the, would want them to do. Their coach has drilled that into Yeah, exactly. On to the next one. Yeah, exactly. The Just to win. And great champions. Yeah, Get precisely. Here. But yeah, best
0: of luck. They play... I think they play on Friday because... Uh Putz and Krebitz are both playing in the mix, so uh they've sort of been on, on a weird schedule. It's but a, it's a tough draw, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, I mean they're, they're a very good pair. Um and obviously have played Yeah, I think it's a big challenge. But I don't I think Henry and Jules will fancy themselves. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they you know, even though Henry's had some weeks out injured this summer, they seem to have come back and pretty quickly hit the ground running. So um yeah, good fingers luck to crossed. them. Yeah, absolutely everyone keeping their fingers crossed. Um, good luck to you, George, on your insane diet. Uh, please try not to eat yeah. too many greens. And
1: I, I don't know if I'll actually be on this, but I'm playing in a squash tournament on Saturday, Joes, My first ever squash tournament.
0: I can't tell you how excited I am. Look at me, I'm thrilled. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm doing a speech at a wedding this weekend. That's that's, that's big my... we've, we've all got big things going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but crucially, we will be back tomorrow. Five, four, three. Two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. off. We have a lift off. Sports, social, podcast network.